This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The two teams might have the same record at 5-8, and eight, but I kind of feel like this might be a bit of a mismatch for your Pittsburgh Steelers. I know they are better this year at stopping the run than they were last year because when you're 32 out of 32, all you can go it's is not, up. Not hard to be worse. But you've illustrated that they went from 5th, 6th, around 15th 16th over the past couple of weeks especially after what the Ravens did to them and Carolina Atlanta and Baltimore are really the same team as far as what they're trying to do offensively especially when Baltimore takes Lamar out of the equation they become that team even more so Matt Williamson likes to view it as or term it as voluminous running and that sounds to me like a Harry Potter spell that you're (laughs) casting on somebody (laughs) voluminous running but uh you run the ball 40-plus times no matter what the outcome is. For two yards a pop, for four yards a pop, it doesn't matter. They're going to continue to run the football. And you saw the Steelers get gashed on the ground by the Falcons to the point where it didn't really matter that much. They had to lead the whole game, and they limited the Falcons to only run the ball 24 times. But in hindsight, we look back at that game and we say, what was Atlanta doing? They should have run the ball more. They were successful on the ground. Why didn't they have more voluminous running? And then... Fast forward to the Ravens game with Tyler Huntley, and they run the ball 40-plus times and do it with great success, and that's the reason why they beat you. Carolina hit that same formula a week prior to get a win over the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. They ran the ball 46 times for 223 yards, just absolutely gashing them on the ground. You're going to see a very similar game plan, a very similar attacking uh, style in this game against Carolina that you did last week against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I gotta be honest with you, based on the track record, based on the recency bias, both of those things tell me the Steelers will be struggling to stop the run, especially as the game wears later and later on because Tomlin illustrated the defense getting worn down late after the Ravens game. TJ Watt even mentioned that they probably got a little worn down. It's gonna be the same story in this game, so I don't know how you can get your conditioning and how you can avoid getting worn down just one week later, but you're going to have to figure it out because they're going to run it. They're going to run it hard, and you're going to have to face six linemen, seven linemen. Mm -hmm. You might even have to go to Arby's and face eight linemen at one point. So I think it's a very bad matchup for the Steelers in this game against the Panthers, despite them being similar teams and the exact same team record-wise. Yeah, Tom, I think when you analyze what the team had to say about we we do well until we get worn down. I don't like that. Yeah, because what's going to happen on Sunday when the Carolina Panthers just say, hey, we have Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman who can both run the ball effectively. They both ran for, I think, at least 75 yards last week when the team as a whole ran for, what, 200 yards? They're most on the season by far. And if you say that, if the Steelers publicly say that, that, yeah, we're fine until we get worn down, well, the Carolina Panthers just have to look at themselves and say, well, let's just wear them down. Let's literally just run the ball down their throats, and we'll be okay. Because they said they don't like to have the ball run against them. Well, sorry, if you're telling us what makes you uncomfortable or what makes you a weaker unit, we're going to take advantage of that. And that's why I worry about this game if I'm a Steeler. Because, yes, you've got – and that that's the other thing. I think that based on what happened with the Ravens game, people are back to the Steelers' run defense stinks. It stunk last week. Yeah. It's definitely been better this year. Though. It's that's, been, that's, but it's been trending In the wrong down, direction. Yeah. But it's irrefutable to say, oh, the run defense stinks. It's just as bad as it was last year. That's just That's just not true. 
it has improved. There's areas where you can point to and say a guy like Ogunjobi has helped, a guy like Miles Jack has helped. And although you've seen it heading in the wrong direction as the season gets longer or as the season you get deeper into the season, I still think you can walk away from this season and say, as a whole, our run defense improved. How do we now add to the longevity of that run defense? It was a top five potential run defense through week 13. Then week 14-ish hits, and all of a sudden we started to play in the middle of the pack. How do you solve that problem? So it's not as dire as, well, we're 32nd in the league against the run. Everybody's running against us. The Lions are putting up 250 mm-hmm. yards. Then the Vikings, then the Chargers. It's just doesn't matter who you play. They're going to gash you on the ground. It's not the case this year. Teams that don't run the ball necessarily well get shut down by the Steelers. Teams that are adequate at it, Steelers can handle them. Later in the season, we see the trend starting to arise that they're wearing down, and I would say the teams that are really prolific at running the football still can kind of have their way against the Steelers. You saw that Thursday night earlier in the year with the Browns game. Nick Chubb had a pretty decent performance against them. I was just going to say, unless your head coach is named Kevin Stefanski, if your team is decent at running the ball, you're going to continue to run the ball in the Steelers. It's just we've seen Stefanski kind of overthink it and neglect to acknowledge that he has maybe the a top five running back in the league in Nick Chubb. Didn't in that game, though. No, he they, did not. They had a great game plan against the Steelers, and it worked. Uh, the Falcons, again, were very successful in their 24-25 carries. Scratch your head at the coaching decisions there to kind of war- work away from the run. You were losing, but not by that much, not by really more than one score at any point against the Steelers in that game. And then the Ravens have always been a top five running offense for the past five years since Lamar has been in the league. Had to expect that they were going to run the ball pretty hard and pretty effectively. And now you look at Carolina, whose only identity is running the football. Steve Wilkes comes in as the interim head coach, and and he says, we've had... Four different quarterbacks play this year. Well, at the time when he came in, it was three before Sam Darnold finally got right, off the bench. Right, but right. we don't know who our quarterback is, and they all stink. Why are we going to even try to use our quarterback? Let's hide the guy. Let's run the ball 40-plus times. And it's actually translated to some success for the team. And I bet if he gave Wilkes some truth serum, more success than he thought it would. Uh, I think he thought maybe you would be more competitive, maybe a more respectable opponent by keeping things on the ground, controlling the ball a lot, I don't think he, in his wildest imagination, thought he'd be staring at controlling his own destiny for the NFC South in seven weeks' time. No. I mean, Carolina, I know I know. there's a bunch of stories going around the league. Carolina's story may be the most exciting or, or just kind of motivational for any team who looks to be kind of lost just because – there are teams that have success, like the Eagles or the Niners, where you never expected them to be this good. And with you know the Niners, the quarterbacks going down, but that's a little different because with the Niners and their injuries, right? Like they've been able to overcome that. Carolina essentially quit on itself. It seemed like firing their coach, going through quarterbacks that are healthy, and just saying we can't decide on one because we don't trust any of them, and then releasing one of those guys. And now since you've since they fired their head coach, what they've gone four and three, three and four. I think Wilkes like was that? a little bit earlier. the The split that I know is they were uh, one and five with Christian McCaffrey. Oh, McCa- they trade Christian right. McCaffrey, and they've been four and three since trading right. Christian McCaffrey, I mean, while also transitioning towards running the ball more, but trading their best running back to do so. 
I, I guess it just goes to show how talented that running back locker room slash coaching staff is if they're able to have more success without McCaffrey than they are with him. And maybe it was just, you know, we we feel like as a franchise, McCaffrey's going to get value, so and we're not winning right now, so they did the... They did the GM thing where they just said, hey, let me just get some value out of this guy considering our team isn't very good right now. And then they were just left with kind of a band of misfits, and and those misfits and Deontay Foreman and Juba Hubbard have really shown their talent. That was definitely the stat that, that I was thinking of since McCaffrey left. But again, Tom, I mean, McCaffrey, who went to San Francisco, like all those injuries with their quarterbacks, they still overcome it. They still have a great defense, great offense now with McCaffrey. But Carolina, I think a lot of people thought they could be in contention for the number one overall pick. Yes. I think there were three teams this year, and the Steelers faced two of them in terms of teams who could have been the worst team in the NFL between the Texans, the Falcons, and the Panthers. And I know Matt Williamson has said many times that he thought the Falcons and Panthers easily could have surpassed the Texans as being the worst team in the league. But both teams, Tom, the the Falcons and the Panthers, have had much better seasons than expected but I do think the Panthers, their season is much more impressive to me just because of how many times it seemed like they quit on themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's baffling to see them have that 4-3 and three record after getting rid of their best player and transitioning their entire offensive identity towards what their best player was in running the football a lot. One thing that I love about Carolina and Steve Wilkes and something I wish the Steelers would maybe do a little bit more of they really not only recognize what their best bet is on offense, but they throw the kitchen sink at it to make it effective. Arby's package. Going jumbo with at least six offensive linemen, more so than any team in the league if you're not Cleveland or Detroit. They're number three in that category. They load up beef up front to help Dante Foreman, to help Chuba Hubbard, get lanes. Blackshear now, the rookie, is starting to get a little bit of a run as well. They help these guys in more ways than just, we're going to give you 40 carries and let's see if you can break a couple of them for some big gainers here and help us on the ground. No, they buy into their system. And, yeah, when you put the Arby's package out there and you have eight offensive linemen, they know you're going to run the ball. But guess what? The Steelers knew the Ravens were going to run the ball three straight times to try to get past the two-minute warning, get that first down, and kneel out the game. They couldn't stop it. If you truly believe in your identity as an offense, if you truly think that you are a run-first team and you can beat anybody by running the football, then you adapt your scheme towards helping that and you commit to it even though you might be tipping your hand to the other team. Now, with the Steelers, they pulled the plug on the run in the second half against the Baltimore Ravens. Najee got three touches in that second half. I understand that the Ravens had the second-best run defense in football. That's elite over there as far as stopping that aspect of your game. Mm. But if that is truly your identity, you have to continue to try to put your nose to the pavement and try to grind away running the football, certainly more than just giving your star running back or potential star running back three touches in the second half. So we saw this identity with the Steelers for weeks after the bye. Oh, they run the ball. They're actually moving bodies on the offensive line. And then the big bad Ravens come into town, and you're not having much traction in the running game in the first half, and you throw your hands up in the air and you say, oh, oh well, I guess we're done. If the Steelers hold the Panthers to two total rushing yards in the first half, it ain't going to change a thing for them in the second half. They're still going to come out, and they're going to try to run the ball down their throats. 
If it's forty-two to nothing, Steelers, maybe it changes. Right, I was going to say that ain't happening yeah, yeah, yeah. in a Steelers no, game. No, no, not a chance. Especially when you don't even know who the quarterback is. Gonna exactly, be. it's still we're we're doing this episode on a Friday morning. We, we still s- don't know. Still don't know. So you're going to see teams commit to their identity no matter how the game's going. And I wish I'd see the Steelers do that a little bit more. Even if it does, you know, tip your hand and say, "Hey, we're going jumbo here." They're probably going to run the ball. Who cares? Push them off the line and run the ball. I have no problem with it, Tom, especially when you consider, excluding the Ravens game, how much success they've had recently uh, on the ground. And, yeah, I mean, Baltimore was discouraging in a lot of ways, right? Because this was a team where they had a great running offense and you supposedly had a top 10 running defense and they had a top 10 run defense themselves and you were on your way to becoming a, a, a decent running team, right? And what happened? You lost both battles, right? The Ravens ran all over you, and you couldn't get a thing going on the ground yourself. So really discouraging from that perspective. So you really have to kind of channel what you did right uh, against teams like the Falcons and the Colts, um, teams that you effectively effectively ran the ball well against. And Carolina, I know you know their defense – isn't anything special, right? They It's better than you think. I don't think it's special, but it's top 15. I mean, there are, they, they do allow 130 yards on the ground per game. So that's yeah, a, you can get them on the ground. But there you go, Tom. I mean, you can. It's just will the Steelers do it, right? Week after week after week, we, we feel like we, we do a good job of outlining a, a, a winning formula, a game plan that could lead you to a victory. And it seems like some of those some of those weeks, right? The Steelers just kind of overthink things, right? By not run, not even trying to run the ball against uh, Baltimore um, when it's a close game the entire way, right? And backup quarterbacks galore, and they're just not able to run the ball, so they kind of abandon it. Um, giving George Pickens less snaps than guys like. Gunnar Olszewski or Zach Gentry or Anthony McFarland or equal amount of snaps to those people, right? I mean, there's no reason to be overthinking these. Run the ball against Carolina, get George Pickens involved. I mean, I know we're focusing on the run here, but it's as simple as that. If you can stick to the run and not get frustrated by maybe a possible lack of early success, if you just keep your head to the ground and 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 just keep going, they're going to relent. Just like you mentioned, Tom, how the Steelers defense admitted that they get tired. All defenses get tired. If you just run that ball, keep the clock running, right? Carolina's defense will get winded. You you do have a chance to really attack them through the ground on Sunday. Yeah, that's where I would circle their weakest point. They're 11th in overall expected points added, 11th in EPA per drop back, and 14th in EPA against the run. So you're not playing the Houston Texans when it comes to stopping the no. run, but that's an area you can attack, and you're certainly not playing the Baltimore Ravens again as far as their prowess in stopping the run. So, yeah, offensively, you got to get back to running the football. That's what has been successful and I think has made life easier on your rookie quarterback um, since the bye week now. In the next episode, we'll get more into the quarterback play. We don't know who's going to be playing this week, and I have my doubts that it will be the rookie. But mm-hmm. like I said, we'll expand on that a little bit later. Back with stopping this Carolina offense and this running attack. Yeah, they're going to run the ball 45, 46 times, but 
you're still going to have 15, 16, 17 opportunities where Sam Darnold drops back to pass. And I know that the lack of pressure has been disappointing for the Steelers this year. Team that's always led the league in sacks for the past half decade right. is now 25th in the yeah, league in sacks. It's, it's fallen off of a cliff Completely. as far as that category is mm-hmm. concerned. Uh, and with Watt being back playing through injuries, he has not been himself, although people noticed in the Ravens game he started to kind of look like the Watt that we all remembered. At least signs of him were showing up a little bit uh, in that game. So hopefully that is heading in the right direction. But... You look at this game and you say, well, they need to get more pressure. They need to get more pressure. That's something we've been asking for all year. And the past three weeks, you've played teams that don't really allow you many opportunities to get pressure. They had 17 dropbacks that they faced against the Ravens last week and Tyler Huntley slash Anthony Brown. They had two sacks. So two sacks on 17 chances. You'd like a little more than that, but your opportunities weren't there. Same thing with the turnovers in the interception game. If the Panthers turn the ball over even one time, they're like winless this year. So if you can force them into a fumble, which the Steelers don't get any fumbles, by the way. They have three fumble recoveries all year long. Despite having the league leader in force fumbles than Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith, yeah. they just can't jump on the ball. We saw another one last week, a big one, squirt out of a, uh, yeah. a running back's hands because of Devin Bush, and TJ Watt just couldn't bounce there, on yeah. it. So they're not bouncing on the football this year like they should, but they are getting some interceptions. They're, they're not terrible as far as the turnover margin is concerned. But similarly to the sack thing, you're only going to have few and far between opportunities to get Sam Darnold on a potential interception. And he's playing so conservatively in his two starts, and the offense is so simple, he only throws the ball like three yards down the field. It's just not really in the cards to sack him to get a bunch of turnovers. It's just the offensive Carolina doesn't allow you enough opportunities as a defense to win that way. So I really think it is almost hinging on stopping the run to win this football game. If if you can stifle them on the ground, they're not going to pull the plug at all like the Steelers did last week on it, but they might move towards the pass a little bit more if they have to, mm-hmm. if they're down later in the game, and then you can get your sack opportunities, you can get your interception off of Sam Darnold. But if you're going to allow them to get four, shoot, even three yards per carry, they're going to say thank you, and they're mm-hmm. just going to keep running the ball, holding on to the football, punting away if they have to, let your offense try to do the work against our defense and play a clock management, ball possession brand of football that I think will be the undoing of the Steelers in this game. You you got to get them uncomfortable. You got to get them off of what they like to do. And it just all hinges on having success stopping that run for a full 60 minutes because like we've illustrated all episode, they're not going to stop trying to run the football. No, they're not going to. I mean, this is a team that on third and 10 ran the <laughs> ran. football last week against Seattle. And we're like, we're going to just punt. Like, if you don't get 10 yards, we're just punting. But still, Tom, they did it when they were, they won that game, too. So it didn't even matter. Like, they ran the ball so effectively, even when it was first and long or second and long or third and long, and it didn't matter. It still led to the win. So why would they look at this week and say, well, if we could do it last week, we're just not going to do it again this week? Absolutely not. That's not how NFL teams operate. Now, I could also see in my mind's eye a nightmare scenario where oh. the Steelers are focused all week long on stopping the run. They're going to throw Arby's at you. You're going to see six offensive linemen. Let's plug gaps. Let's let's be more sound in our run discipline. And then come Sunday, DJ Moore finds himself on an island and beats somebody one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And Darnold, who was a number two, three, was he two or three overall pick in that draft? 
I think it was three behind Saquon, right? I think it went, yeah, it went Baker, Saquon, Saquon Darnold. Darnold. He still has arm strength and he still has arm talent as a number three overall pick. He can get a guy on one-on-one coverage. And unlike the Ravens last week, where they don't want to pass the ball, especially with Huntley and there's no real threats, I think DJ Moore's potentially a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Hmm. And honestly, I end up haven't been too closely paying attention to the Carolina Panthers this year until this week. But from what I could dig up this week, it doesn't sound like he's making big of a, that big of a stink down there. It doesn't sound like he's vocalizing maybe frustration, especially with how the game plan has gone towards the run lately. Um, but that's a guy that I can't imagine is thrilled with his role on this team right now. It, not to this extreme, but it's like reminding you of when Calvin Johnson played for Georgia right. Tech in college. a talented player on a bad on team. On a team that's just running the football like crazy, and you're going to get like four or five targets a game. I hope you make the most of them. Well, I think it's a little di- I mean, the Calvin Johnson thing, I, I don't know, because Detroit never ran the ball. No, no, no. Calvin. I was talking about Georgia Tech when he played in the triple option oh, offense okay. in college. Okay, going back to college. Right. Okay, like okay. It, it's not that extreme, but yeah. it's kind of a parallel to that where it's like, because, again, he's not Duvernay, right? Like, he's yeah, not big. Right. He's a legit wide receiver. Right. Teams will have him as their number one for sure. I mean, I think teams respect him as a number one receiver. However, they kind of are able to look at the Panthers and say, A, the quarterback situation stinks, is asinine. Stinks. And, B, they run the ball. So, DJ Moore, while he is talented and while he has had big plays, I mean, you remember the game against Atlanta when he had the uh, game-tying uh, touchdown should and have then been winning. should have been winning, but game tying touchdown against the Falcons as the clock expired, I believe. So he is capable of making really good plays and being super talented across an entire 60 minutes. It's just people know or teams know that the Panthers don't even utilize him to the best of their abilities. But it's it, it, again, it's it's because they have the quarterback situation, which I think is really hindering him. So either I think for DJ Moore. Tell the team to draft a quarterback in the first round this year or switch teams. But that's why you can't fall asleep on him, though. That's why, yeah, despite them running the ball ability. like crazy, Absolutely. you can't get you know kind of complacent if you're one of the defensive backs Absolutely. and let him beat you one-on-one. Darnold, I think, is smart enough, been around the league enough to recognize a one-on-one and maybe check out of it. And he, Despite them running the ball a lot and them not trusting Darnold, I'm sure he can check into a one-on-one matchup and try to throw the ball deep. And DJ Moore has the ability to burn you, like you said, in that Atlanta game. It's not impossible. So, yeah, you have to sell out to stop the run, but it ain't like last week where the wide receiver game is completely hopeless and the quarterback doesn't have the arm talent to get the ball down the field to a receiver in a one-on-one matchup because both of those things are true now in this game. DJ Moore can beat you in coverage. He's a really good wide receiver. The Ravens would kill for that guy on their team, and he would instantly get, what, 10 targets a game from Lamar and Mm -hmm. become the number one guy in that offense, maybe number two behind Mark Andrews. But he might become number one because he's that good of a wide receiver. Well, I think he's better than anyone they have right now. Absolutely. By far. And Darnold is funny. He's got, (laughs) I'm seeing ghosts, and he's had a... His career did not plan out, pan out as he had hoped no. it would or as some of us maybe even predicted it would. I thought he was going to be better than this. I'll put my hand up on that. I mean, I thought the trans, the change from New York to, to Carolina. Carolina. Remember, was, he started 3-0 and last right. year. And everyone thought, there it is. He just had to get out of New York. But I'm pretty sure he's got a better arm than Tyler Huntley. 
Like I'm, I'm almost pretty. Yeah, I mean that's he's more of a, a quarterback. Exactly. Than so both yeah. of those things are different this week, and you got to stop the run without falling asleep against the pass because I can just see one big pass play being broken by the Carolina Panthers if the Steelers are complacent in the second. And that's football, right? Every team has that chance. No matter if you're the Detroit Lions who have maybe the best offense in football, or if you're the Steelers, you know, who have not had the best year on offense, but they have had big plays. Pat Fryermuth looking at you with that uh, stiff arm. Deontay and Pickens have both had long catches or long receptions. So every team has the ability to kind of have these splashy moments, but I do think DJ Moore, with his talent, can really burn you if he gets the chance. Third downs are going to be huge in this game for the Steelers' defense. The Panthers' offense only converts at like a 27% clip on third down. It's one of the worst in the league. If you can get them into third down, there's a good chance you're going to be able to get off the field. So don't let Carolina stay ahead of the sticks. Don't give them second and shorts. Don't give them third and twos. You know, Give them in that third and middle range, third and long range, and you're playing the percentages well there that you're going to get the ball back. But if they pick up first downs, if they are able to get those third downs that they haven't all year long and sustain drives, mm-hmm. well, guess what? Let's come full circle here. Your defense is going to get worn down because it's going yep. to be on the field a while, and it's going to be playing against six, seven, eight offensive linemen and at a time. And you pair that, too, with an offense. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what it's going to look like. But without its rookie quarterback playing, possibly, who's done a great job all year of moving the ball down the field effectively, right? I mean, it doesn't always lead to points, but he does a really good job. Probably better than, I would say better than Mitch has done when Mitch has been out there, moving the ball down the field. Mm, Not last game. Well, last game, I mean, last game. 22 first downs from Mitch. But if, I mean, Kenny had one pass play, so it's it's hard to really compare those two numbers when Kenny had one pass in there and, and Mitch played the rest of the game, but... I understand your point, but I'm saying as the season, on the looking at the season as a whole, Kenny has done it in much more and in, in many more circumstances than Mitch has. Well, I certainly don't want to turn the ball over against this team and put my tired defense back on the field. Right, right I'm away. just that's what I'm saying. It's that with given the offense and and the uncertainty surrounding it, you don't know if the offense will do the defense any favors. And then while the defense is actually on the field, right? I mean. I don't know if I can trust them to really not get tired, not get worn down with, as you mentioned, the running ability and the third down conversions. Subscribe to SNR's newest podcast, The Godfather of Pittsburgh Sports is Talking Nothing But Steelers. It's Savern on Steelers, and new episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. You can subscribe today. It's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Taping this on a Friday, like Jacob said earlier, so we're still a little up in the air about the quarterback situation, but this is talk. Radio, talk podcast, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) We love to live in hypotheticals, baby, so we'll talk about who we think is going to play and who we think the right decision would be to play at that quarterback position Maybe a difference between Maybe a difference there, and we'll talk a little bit more about how you attack that Panthers defense from the Steelers offensive side of things in the next episode. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman, and this is the Steelers Standard.